1: This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Ezekiel.
0: Real love is
2: calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. Now in those days, Gentiles was just synonymous for pagans. People who didn't worship God, they didn't uh, believe in the true and living God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They bowed down to idols. They fashioned their own gods. They worship false gods. And God is saying about the Jewish people that they got off course one degree at a time because they have adopted, they've adjusted to, they've incorporated into their own lives the customs of the Gentiles which are all around you. In other words, over time, they were seduced by their culture.
1: What is the culture like around you? Are there things around you that distract you from God working in your life? Just as it's important to spend time ministering to the lost in the world, it's just as important to spend time with godly people that encourage your faith. When your heart gets hardened towards God and His Word, He'll show up in your life less and less. But the good news is that He's always there to accept you when you turn to Him and give you a new heart that's sensitive to Him that he can work through. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Ezekiel chapter 9 as he begins his message, When God Heals a Hard Heart.
2: For today, we're here in Ezekiel chapter 11. If you have your Bibles open there in Ezekiel chapter 11, I'm going to read starting at verse 9. Verse 9 kind of jumps into the middle here, so let me explain what's happening. This is all part of a vision that the Lord is giving to Ezekiel. And uh, God shows him, even though Ezekiel is living in Babylon with the exiles of Israel, the Jewish people who have been taken captive there, God shows Ezekiel things happening in Jerusalem prior to the fall of Jerusalem at the hands of Nebuchadnezzar in 586 B.C. So in this vision, the Lord is showing Ezekiel things happening back in his homeland, back in the city of Jerusalem. And in here, in Ezekiel 11, verse 9, the Lord says, and I will bring you out of its midst. Now he's talking about bringing out of the city of Jerusalem and deliver you into the hands of strangers and execute judgments on you. You shall fall by the sword, and I will judge you at the border of Israel. And then you shall know that I am the Lord. This city shall not be your cauldron, nor shall you be the meat in its midst. In other words, God is saying here, I will not allow you to be burned up like, you know, beef stew when the Babylonians attack you. He says the rest of verse 11, I will judge you at the border of Israel. Verse 12, and you shall know that I am the Lord. For you have not walked in my statutes, nor executed my judgments, but have done according to the customs of the Gentiles which are all around you. That's an important verse. We'll come back to that in a minute. Now, pause for a second. Let me just clarify this much, and then we'll read a little bit more before we pray. In this passage, God is pointing out to Ezekiel the fact that because the Jewish people have turned their hearts away from God to follow the gods of the Gentile nations around them, That God is going to, as he says there in verse 9, he's going to deliver them into the hands of strangers, meaning the Babylonians. God's going to bring the Babylonians against the Jewish people. And also, verse 9, and he's going to execute judgments on them, meaning that the Jews are going to spend the next 70 years in captivity in Babylon. After the Babylonians besiege the land, they're going to take thousands of Jews back to Babylon with them. Okay, so that's the context of what we just read. But in the rest of this chapter, God looks beyond that, and he looks to a time when he's going to extend his mercy and his grace. He looks at the time that he's going to bring the Jewish people back to their homeland, as many as want to return, after the 70 years of captivity are complete. And so God's going to transform them, bring them back, and they will be purged of idolatry once and for all at least the kind of idols that you carve out of stone, wood, or metal. There's a little bit of idolatry in all of us where we idolize things and people sometimes above God, which is never a good thing. But I mean, in the strictest sense of idolatry, the people of Israel will never bow down and worship idols again. After the 70 years of captivity, after their time out in Babylon, they will come back to Israel and never bow down to idols again. God will rid them of idolatry. And so now jump ahead to verse 17, still there in chapter 11 of Ezekiel. Here's the good part where God looks ahead to the time of their coming back to Israel. Verse 17, therefore say, thus says the Lord God, I will gather you from the peoples, assemble you from the countries where you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. And they will go there, meaning the Jews, and they will take away all its detestable things and all its abominations from there. In other words, they will purge the land of idolatry because it's gone from their hearts now. And verse 19, here's why. Because then I will give them one heart and I will put a new spirit within them and take the stony heart, note that, I'll take the stony heart out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep my judgments and do them. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. Before we pray, I've entitled today's sermon, When God Heals a Hard Heart. When God Heals a Hard Heart. Let's first pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day that you've given us a new day, Lord, just to enjoy you. We pray that you would teach us now through this passage whatever you would want us to learn, that you would reveal yourself to us in very personal ways very tangible ways today, Lord, through your word. And I thank you for all those who are here and those who are watching online. Do your good work in us now, Lord. We just want to humble ourselves before you and pray that you would now speak to us by your Holy Spirit, that we would have ears to hear what you're saying to us and hearts that are receptive. And we praise you together in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Here in this passage that we're reading from Ezekiel chapter 11, God describes the Jewish people at this particular time in their history as having a stony heart, as having a stony heart. Now, when you think about a stone and that kind of comparison, that's a pretty... Brutal comparison. I actually have a stone here actually dug up from my yard planting a tree once Okay This is actually about the size of a human heart the size of a human heart an adult heart is about the size of your fist and uh, God compares the heart of the Jewish people at this particular time in their history to something like this He said you all have stony hearts now We all understand some basic things about a rock don't we a rock has no emotion It is uncaring it is unfeeling a rock is um, uh, pretty static In other words, it's not going to be changing. It is not soft like clay, which is malleable. A rock is hard. It is unchangeable. You put this thing in the dirt, it's going to be like this for years and years to come. And a rock, well, it can hurt you. It can hurt you. If you doubt me, I'll be happy to lob it in your direction. (laughs) In fact, we all know this, right? Stones in the Bible were used as both weapons and as tools of capital punishment. David took a stone and a sling and killed Goliath with it. If you were guilty of a capital crime in Old Testament times, you were hauled before the elders of the city gate and you were stoned to death with these. So when God uses this analogy and he says about the people of Judah during this particular time of their history, they have stony hearts. This is not a complimentary thing. He's not affirming them. He's calling them out. He's letting them know they're stubborn. He's letting them know that they are not malleable, they're not soft, or they're not tender towards him, towards life, towards one another. They've got hard hearts. So God is drawing attention to this fact that they're living in such a way that they've basically lost the capacity to be molded and shaped by God. They have a stony heart. Now the good news is, that he's going to providentially intervene. And he tells us here through the prophet Ezekiel, I'm going to replace their stony hearts and I'm going to go after them and I'm going to give them a new heart and a new spirit. And I'm going to tenderize what is presently hard, their hearts. And the question becomes, how did they get there? How did the Jewish people get to the place where they had such hard hearts that God would call them out and say, you have stony hearts. And here's an equally important question. How do we get there? Because don't think for a moment that these are the only people who have ever had hard hearts toward God or hard hearts toward one another or hard hearts about life. There are plenty of people walking around the world today, smiles on their faces on the outside, but hard hearts on the inside. People who have this exterior, this shell, where they don't want anybody to come in. Not God, not you, not anything or anyone. How is it that we get hard towards God, towards life, towards one another? How is it we become so jaded and cynical about life? Well, there could be a variety of reasons. For example, some maybe have had a hard life themselves. And as a result of having such a hard life, you have kind of made a tough exterior shell to your heart. And you don't want God to come in. You don't want anybody to come in. Or maybe it's the fear of being vulnerable. You've been hurt before. And so by default, you've gotten a hard heart. And your motto is, whether you speak it intentionally or not, you live by the motto, I'm going to hurt you before you ever hurt me because that's what rocks do, you see. Or maybe it is, and this might speak more to the guys in the house than it will the ladies, because there's something about guys that are just a little bit more proud, I think, and stubborn in the sense of maybe you just are proud and you just want to be tough and independent. And so you have just shut out other people. You don't need God. You don't need others. You've got this all by yourself. Thank you very much. And that's how you'll die too, by the way, because nobody wants to be around you when you're like that. Now, if I'm touching on some nerves, don't leave don't get mad. I think that God wants to help you today. And here's something else I think. I don't think that anybody who has a hard heart, if you're willing to admit you have one, want it. I think most people who recognize, yeah, I'm I'm kind of hard-hearted. I don't think anybody likes being there. And I guarantee you, God doesn't like us being there. God does not want people to have a hard heart, not towards him, not towards others, not towards life in general. So how did the Jewish people get there, to this place where God would say to them, about them here in Ezekiel 11, you have stony hearts. How did they get there? Well, in part, they got there incrementally. Nobody wakes up one day and says, you know what? I'm just going to have a hard heart towards God and towards the world and towards everybody else. Nobody wakes up like that. It happens progressively, one degree at a time, slowly over time, where somebody's heart goes from being very tender to very hard-hearted. Those of you who are aviators, those of you who like to fly, you know the 1 in 60 rule. The 1 in 60 rule goes like this. If you're one degree off the coordinates then in 60 miles, you will be one mile off of your destination. And it goes proportionally. If you're two degrees off on the coordinates, from the time you take off to the point where you land, for every 60 miles, you're two miles off. Same for three degrees, you're three miles off every 60 miles. So, for example, a flight from New York to L.A., roughly 3,000 miles. If a pilot is just two degrees off in the coordinates... By the time you get to L.A., that pilot will be a 100 miles off of the final destination. This is how it happens with us. It starts out just really tiny, but in the long run, we're way off. This is what happened here with the Jewish people. Look again at verse 12. I want you to just underline in your Bibles verse 12. Where God says here, and you shall know that I am the Lord, for you have not walked in my statutes, nor executed my judgments, notice, but have done according to the customs of the Gentiles, which are all around you. Now, in those days, Gentiles was just synonymous for pagans. People who didn't worship God, they didn't uh, believe in the true and living God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they bowed down to idols. They fashioned their own gods. They worshiped false gods. And God is saying about the Jewish people that they got off course one degree at a time because they have adopted, they've adjusted to, they've incorporated into their own lives the customs of the Gentiles which are all around you. In other words, over time, they were seduced by their culture. And it happened one tiny degree at a time. Pay attention to this. Because it's liable to happen in our own lives if we're not wise to this. You can start to look at the culture. And you can start to think, well, other people don't think that this particular thing is that bad. So I guess it's really not. And so before you know it, you think it's okay. You then embrace it. Then perhaps you celebrate it. Then perhaps you even practice it. That's the way it goes. Listen, there's always been two standards. Always. You have the standard of God and his view of right and wrong, good and evil, truth and falsehood. And then you have the world's view of good and evil, right and wrong, truth and falsehood. And sometimes those things line up together. Most times they do not. And so what happens is, That we have to decide if we're going to live by the standard that God has determined or if we're going to adjust to and we're going to live by and we're going to get absorbed by and seduced by the culture around us that has a very different definition of things related to good and bad, right and wrong, truth and lies. What happened here with the Jewish people is that they were seduced by the Gentile, by the pagan community around them, by the countries around them, who did not worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They worshiped different gods. And so the Jewish people began to talk like them and live like them and worship like them. And it happened slowly, one degree at a time, until eventually they were so off course that the Jewish people had no regard for God, just like the nations around them. This can happen in our lives, friends. This is why we have to be wise to these things. Do you know somebody? Perhaps you are that person. You start out walking with God. You're close to Him. But slowly, over time, you begin seeing the culture around you as normal and acceptable. And then you begin to adopt their practices. You talk like them. You walk like them. You live like them. You worship like them one degree at a time, until you have no real regard for God, just like the rest of the world around you. It's a dangerous thing we must be aware of. It's what happened to the Jewish people. And so at the end of verse 12, again, let me just highlight the words at the end of verse 12, they have done according to the customs of the Gentiles, which are all around them. The NIV says it this way, they have conformed to the standards of the nations around them. The Hebrew language for conform is the Hebrew word asah. And asah means to fashion, make, mold, squeeze. And the word standards or customs is the Hebrew word mishpat, which means styles, manners, philosophies, customs. And so literally verse 12 reads that they were fashioned, squeezed, and molded by the customs and manners of the culture around them. Let me ask you, are you aware when that happens? Because it's easy for any of us. Because again, it's so subtle, so seductive, to end up just kind of conforming to the way culture is, to accept things that the culture accepts, And to slowly over time end up looking more like the culture than we look like Christ. Are you aware of that when it happens? Do you have this trigger in your heart? This alarm that goes off and that makes you aware and that you realize, i got to rein this in. That's not really becoming for a follower of Christ. This really won't bring glory to God. This actually makes me look too much like the world, not enough like Christ. I need to stop doing this or stop talking like that or stop going there. I need to pull this kind of thing in. Because listen, understand, the culture is not your enemy. The culture is your mission field. But if you're not careful, your mission field will make a mission out of you. That's just fact. The culture's not our enemy. We want to influence the culture with the good news of Christ. We want to love people who don't know Christ. We want to share the good news. That's why it's called good news. Gospel means good news. They are our mission field out there, outside of the walls of every church. But be very, very careful that your mission field does not make a mission out of you. This is what was happening here with the Jewish people. This is why in the Bible we're warned, Third John verse 11, Beloved, do not imitate what is evil like what the rest of the world does but what is good he who does good is of god but he who does evil has not seen god you don't know god if you're just living like the rest of the world lives and paul would remind us in romans 12:2 and be not conformed any longer to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Listen, you know how many times people come up to me and say, pray with me, Pastor Gary, for what is God's will in my life. But here's the deal. You will not be able to test and discern what God's will is unless you are first deciding, I'm not going to be conformed to the pattern of this world, and I'm going to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. You cannot know the will of God until you are walking with God. And people want revelation. They want, I want to know the will of God, but I want to live however jolly well I want. It doesn't work like that. Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, Romans 12, 2, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So there's constant caution in the Bible, because here's what happens. If we end up, as the Jewish people did, conforming to the standards around them instead of the standards of God, you develop a hard heart towards God. Because that's inevitably what happens. Because if you want to be living according to the system and standards of the world, then every time anything about God comes up, you're like, don't want to hear it. And any time anybody tries to confront you about your life, don't want to hear it. See, and this is the very reason why the Jewish people did the most extreme thing in this particular time, which was to kill the prophets. Because when you want to live according to the standards of the world around you and not according to the standards of God, then anybody who confronts you, you don't want to hear. So you're either going to run from them or the most extreme thing, what they did, we're just going to kill the prophets. We're just going to kill them because we don't want to be hearing this stuff. Why? Because they're under conviction. People don't like to be under conviction. So rather than surrendering, repenting, drawing near to God, we're just going to kill the prophets. This is the very thing that broke the heart of Jesus. Remember, as he's coming into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, Matthew chapter 23, verse 37, he weeps over Jerusalem, and he says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who are sent to her, how often I wanted to gather you to myself like a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Why were they not willing? Because of hard hearts, because of hard hearts. And still, Jesus dies for every hard-hearted person, including you and me. Why? Here's what he really demonstrated on the cross. My love will melt their hard hearts. My love will melt their hard hearts. This is basically what God is doing here in Ezekiel chapter 11. Despite the fact that the Jewish people had forsaken him, rebelled against him, turned towards idols, adopted the customs and standards of the world around them, God says, you know what? I'm going to providentially, sovereignly intervene. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give them one heart, and I'm going to give them a new spirit, and I'm going to take out that hard, rocky heart, and I'm going to replace it with a soft heart of flesh. God providentially intervened intervenes in this scene. Look again in your Bibles here, verses 19 and 20. Look with me, verses 19 and 20. He says in verse 19, then I will give them one heart, meaning he's going to replace the divided heart that they have, a little bit of the world, a little bit of God, they have split affection. God says, I'm going to providentially give them singleness of heart, one heart, and I will put a new spirit within them. I'm going to breathe Ruach in the Hebrew. I'm going to breathe my spirit. I'm going to breathe new life into them.
1: Thanks for listening to Cornerstone Connection. Today's message focused on the prophet Ezekiel. Ezekiel is the Old Testament book that records the foretold judgments on the Jewish people living in exile because they chose sin over God. You know what? They kept rebelling. And I'm sure some wondered, why is this happening? Like them, sometimes I ask that same question. But you know, there's hope for all of us because God isn't a God of confusion. Sure, He'll send a fatherly reprimand because we sinned, but we can trust that He's still with us. He's like the flashlight in a dark room. He'll show us the way. If you liked what you heard today, there are many other messages waiting just for you at cornerstoneconnection.cc. Don't miss out on more from Pastor Gary. Take the time to go to cornerstoneconnection.cc today. You'll have no regrets. Cornerstone Chapel gets together each Sunday at 30 10 and 11.45 a.m., and Wednesday at 7 p.m. to learn from the Word and spend time in fellowship. To find out more, go to our homepage. We believe in the power of praying together and for one another. So email us at prayer at cornerstonechapel.net with your prayer needs today. Thanks for listening to Cornerstone Connection. Got no place to go, but still you know but Still you know you're not alone.